Thank you for joining us. This is episode 67 of Amateur 3D Podcast, a podcast by amateur printers for amateur printers, where we share our thoughts and experience. Our panelists this week are me, Franklin Christensen, and my friends, Chris Weber, Andy Cottom, and Kevin Buckner. Hey, yo. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, I feel like we're kind of more on top of it today than we have been for a while. Moron something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who are you yeah. calling a moron? <laughs> Myself. <laughs> There's a joke that Stephen King tells in the uh, the Dark Tower series that goes along those lines. I don't want to ruin it for anybody that hasn't read the book in the last 20 years, though. Okay. Yeah. No spoilers. <laughs> Stephen King spoilers. <laughs> well, it's a book. You know, movies are okay after like the first year. If you haven't seen it, that's your business. But if you're yeah. reading a book, you want to be into it. You don't want the spoiler at the end. So, um, yeah, Chris started to talk and, and wonder of wonders. I had the presence of mind to call a stop real quick. You want to, <laughs> you want to, uh, uh, so revisit looking, what you were talking about. Yeah. So, uh, I've been looking lately. Um, I'm, I, I'm highly interested in recycling plastics at home because obviously we go through so many of them. I'm throwing so much away, especially because, you know, my city stopped doing recycling plastics a, a couple years ago. So yeah. um, I posted a video for you guys early, you know, earlier. You guys said that was kind of cool where the guy, you know, spools a spool cuts a bottle and then he puts it on a roll and he made this nice little jig that automatically rolls it into the right size filament for his printer as it goes so that the drive head is what's driving the 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 feed to automatically roll it into the printer so, yeah it's up the the extruder is pulling in the brand new filament as the filament's being formed it's kind of a neat little setup yeah and he used yeah. a word that he refused to use last week so chris was I'm trying thinking... to avoid it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the feeder um, the feeder not extruder the feeder no the the all the 3d printer diagrams describe it as an extruder yeah tell that to a donut making machine <laughs> so, <laughs> also when um, my when my printer says extruder is heating it's talking about the the nozzle end not the feeder end and that makes sense too because that is what's getting hot is the extruder yeah Anyway, continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Vocabulary <laughs> class has ended. So I've, I've been looking into, into, into different ways to be doing this. And it looks like there's essentially two ways. There's that, there's that way where you, you know, use a cutter setup to string off the better part of a bottle. But it's not still not using the entire bottle, right? Mm. Um, and I saw... Uh, because those uh, stringers oh, don't do very well around the, the shoulder of the bottle, right? Yeah. yeah. So the, the very bottom of the bottle where the feet are and the sh shoulder up by the neck, you know, is kind of kind of where you have to stop with this kind of thing. So um, I've been looking into hopper feeding where you just put pellets of stuff in instead of actual filament. And it seems to be that uh, with the new printer settings and things, the, the way things have been going with uh, Slicer software, that there's actually not much a noticeable difference between 
hopper fed uh plastic printing versus filament fed uh printing so uh, I'm going down this avenue, but there's this guy who uh, decided to 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 use his hopper fill, uh, filament, uh, fi- uh, hopper feeder, mm-hmm. to see how recyclable uh, PLA pla- uh, uh, eating utensils were. How recyclable those really were for printing. And so, <clears throat> what he did is he bought a bunch of cheap PLA. Uh, forks on Amazon. Okay. And just to show that it was usable, he uh he 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 first tested just a couple of them that were new out of the package to get his settings all figured out for his printer. Okay. Um and it was really brittle, not so good, so he 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 he, he turned the speed and and the heat down a little bit and it came out came out better. And so he took a bunch of marinara sauce, dumped it on a bunch of these forks, and then washed them in his in his sink just to show that okay, they've been used, right? Okay. Now you're gonna recycle them, right? So he puts them in his sink, washes them with dish soap, you know, and then runs them through. Uh, he's using a paper shredder. I think I'm going to do maybe make something a little more heavy duty myself because those paper shredders after you keep feeding plastic through them they're they are made to cut up credit cards but but not, not at the uh not as much yeah <laughs> not yeah. as much as a we would need it to right it's and actually technically maybe. credit cards are much less durable than the say uh your support would be more uh, difficult for the shredder so, to manage in the first place. So, so I'm thinking the, the, yeah. So the simplest way is going to be going hopper feeding and having your own plastic shredder at home so that you can take different types of plastic, like a, a lot of the PETG bottles, right. And you can mm-hmm. just have one, one hopper or one, one bin that just shred PETG bottles and then you can hopper feed all of those for recycling directly through your printer. So there's no big uh, hassle of trying to turn it into filament again. Just avoid that entirely and just go hopper fed. Oh. Um, and anyway, so he was able to use these. Um, uh, he, was, he was able to successfully print this nice little uh, figure with the recycled uh hopper fed uh plastic forks okay but he he said for the best quality he added some fresh some fresh pla pellets on top right. of it because um they had already, they had already the the pla from the forks was designed for injection molding versus mm-hmm. 3d printing so okay. there was a little bit of a disconnect there, but he ha- he only had to had had to add like approximately ten percent weight. So that's not still not bad. So you yeah. do you do do you do st- still buy new plastic, but only it's only to refresh your recycled stuff. And okay. at ten percent, that's not bad. Nope. Yeah. So when it comes to PET. 
part of the reason we advise not to throw your PETG into the recycling bin is because the G aspect um, contaminates the PET and anything that is recycled with the PETG in it can't be used mm -hmm. for the purpose that uh, the recycling plants would want it for. So the whole yeah. batch is bad. Um, that said, if you're going the other direction, that contaminant, I guess, would work for you, right? Yeah, it would continue to lower the melting temperature of the, of the PET. Yeah. Even if it was part of the recycled plastic, I'd imagine. Right. Um, but I don't know. Seen, these... We've seen print people printing uh, PETG, or sorry, PET bottles without adding new plastic. For and a while. they've been turning out fine. So it might be that you mm -hmm. don't, for, for PET, when you hopper feed it, you may not even need to add new plastic and it will be recyclable. Or even the, yeah. the, the string fed, like the video you shared, which is right. just the, the string from the bottle fed through, uh, it looks like a, a, a pre roller, like you were saying. Yep. And from there, right into the, the hot end. Um, it's interesting for sure. I actually haven't done anything like even looked at recycling for a while now. And the last I saw anything related to it was this guy who had bought, I guess, a, a contraption to shred and then process the, uh, the used plastic. Okay. And he made the point that once it's been extruded and presumably once it's been molded, even for injection molded, the heat or the heating aspect has already compromised the plastic in a way that makes it lower quality to reuse. And that was why he fed uh, just unused raw PLA into the hopper as he was um, reusing the other plastic. So I, I don't know how the the reused aspect would play in with the need to add um, unused regular uh, PETG pellets too. That does make sense because PET does go undergo a, like you say a chemical decomposition when you heat it up. That's why we can bake PLA or PETG, and that's why we could kind of only heat it up once. You can't really reheat it in your hot end once it's already been heated. You got to pull it out and you know put new stuff in because it doesn't really melt again the second time around. It just kind of crystallizes, caramelizes, and burns. Mm. So okay, things well, to keep after... in mind at the very least for anyone who tries it. Yeah, yeah, I that is interesting. I yeah. like the look of these pellet um, extruders. Yeah, I tried looking a couple up. I, I didn't really see any, but that's something I think I want to look through, too. That's that's kind of interesting. Whenever I thought about recycling, I was always thinking about, you know, making a filament and then running the filament through your printer. But skipping that whole step would, would make recycling a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. And from the perspective of shredding, we talked about how the, the regular paper shredder isn't meant for that. It's the motors that aren't meant for that. It's just. It's a uh, carbon steel for the, the actual shredder part. So yeah. if you put a more powerful motor on it, it should be fine. And yeah, that's, where I was, that's where I was going to get at is I was thinking about just getting, uh, so I've got these old drills 
from like the fifties. Okay. They, okay. They're just they're just one speed drills, but gosh, they're powerful. Old old yeah. craftsman drills, the kind that had the metal casing and everything. Okay. Um, the ones I'm that were more about likely to take one your fingers and motors. stop when it was supposed to. <laughs> yeah, it takes a minute to stop. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I was thinking about taking taking the motor out of that and hooking that up to the shredder instead. That would okay. do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's some serious torque that would be going on there, and it'd be slow-ish, I guess. Yeah. You, you can always, you, you, is it you a variable speed just... motor too, or is it just a... No, it's a single speed motor, but you can still get a lot of torque and just lower the voltage so that it runs slower. You know, and a lot of those only run about three or 400 amps. You can just use a voltage, an AC clipper, a dimmer switch, mm -hmm. or a better idea. They do make higher amperage ones for like routers, router speed controllers that you could use on, the, on those kind of drills. That way, if you did want a speed control, you would have one. Yeah, I was ba basically thinking about that, where I, you take one of those uh, not not designed for LED dimmer switches and just hook that straight in. I just barely got a couple of those uh, for Christmas this year um, because I, I use them on a lot of stuff. Like my fish tank pumps, my air compressors, I, it's an oversized air compressor, so I put one of those on it so that the uh, uh, diaphragm isn't shifting quite as far as it normally would be, you know, when that magnets really pull on on it, you'd get a lot of wear on the diaphragm. But if you're just jiggling it just as much as you'd need, then you'd, you'd save a lot of wear. And little things like that I use all the time. So those, those do work. And the last ones I just bought were like 600 watts, which is a huge amount of voltage or you know, a huge amount of wattage to come out of a, an AC socket to be able to regulate like that. Yeah. That, but I bet the drill wouldn't have a problem with that at all. For perspective, anybody that remembers the old 60-watt light bulbs when they were actually 60 watts, that's 10 of those. <laughs> and even the, yeah. And even, yeah, and even the really bright ones that were 100 watts, that's still six of those. So mm -hmm. It's a lot of juice. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but, and, and to think, of, uh, to also put it into perspective, so you're not supposed to put your microwave and toaster on the same outlet, that's because most microwaves their wattage the is you know even for bigger microwaves their wattage is like 1200 amp or 1200 watts mm -hmm. so this this thing is like halfway of a full full size microwave yeah but that that should work just fine for giving you a, a really cheap easy speed controller for one of those drills yeah yep unless once you've hooked it up you realize it operates at a good speed and just on and off is all you need mm. Yeah, I think I, I, I do want to be able to slow it. Because you are going to be able to want, want to adjust it for different types of plastics, I think. Different yeah. thicknesses, too. Yeah. And, unless you want to <laughs> work with Andy and figure out a, like a feedback or something to reduce wattage <laughs> uh, when, uh, was also, when it gets yeah. more difficult. That would to be fun. Pull. That would be a fun project. Yeah, automatically regulating the power output to maintain a certain RPMs. Oh, ah, that and, would be a fun thing to do. And making it <laughs> mechanically regulated instead of electronically regulated? That would be a little hard on me. <laughs> I wouldn't know where to start on that. Do it mechanically. Oh, well, gearing things down, that's uh, a different kind of math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. You, you, can you can print off a transmission that would work just fine. 
<laughs> Chris's mind is turning. <laughs> do, we, do, do I want morning. to distract you by asking what you worked on this week, or should we come back to you? Um, no, I didn't work on anything this week. This this last weekend, my my sister in law had a an issue with her car. We were chase chasing it down. Turns out it's the fuel pump. So this week, I am still going to be working on that. So I haven't taken the time to play with my printer. Gotcha. Fuel would eat PLA, right? Does he eat PETG? Um, I'm not sure. Well, what are the what are the uh, cans? I don't I don't think so because you can store gasoline in PET bottles without eating okay. them. So I I bet PETG might be okay. And and I could swear to like fuel cans and that sort of thing when they're plastic, they're ABS. Yeah. Have you had much like luck ABS. printing the ABS stuff, or have you kind of given up on that for the meantime till you get a covered printer, Chris? Yeah, pretty much. I gave up on it until because yeah, it what happens is it shrinks, and because it shrinks, it does it it pops off of my print bed. Um, I even tried printing it on um, uh, on on the masking tape, and still no dice. It shrinks too much to stay where it's stay put hmm. so, that's a bummer i mean the the first the first few layers print really well until it shrinks and then you get a lot of curling on the edges and uh it just doesn't stick to the plate yeah. and you lose everything from there so it's all about um, heat soaking on that yep so i'm um and my office is horrible for heat soaking especially because it doesn't get uh it, it has no air ducts run to it and i keep the door and i keep the door shut and it's in the basement corner of my house so yeah yeah <laughs> totally understand well hopefully getting in a, uh, a a chamber you can build around it working will solve a lot of those kind of problems yeah so it turns out the wife ha had been looking at some of those for uh, Christmas and my and my birthday, and oh. you know there's actually uh, little tents you can buy for your 3D printer that are like pretty cheap. You know they were like less than sixty bucks. Yeah, I've I got seen looking some of those. and then and like I, a I'm, canvas I'm like, tent? yeah, pretty much. Okay, it's it's like a um. I, so I guess you it guys work as long as there's no airflow. Yeah, do you guys remember that uh, miniature outhouse tent that uh, I, I I I I had when we would go camping about ten years ago or so? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty much like that, except for your okay. printer. Probably okay, stinks a lot less. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we've covered a lot of really quick subjects. Number one, the reason I asked about the uh, um, the material. Or if gasoline would eat PETG mm -hmm. is because then you could, if it doesn't, then you could print your way out of the, the pump issue probably. Number two, <laughs> this outhouse was actually really cool. Yeah. And it needs to be described. Okay, so it's basically a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tent that's pretty easy to put up. It's like, you know, may, maybe a dozen poles, right, that all clip into each other. And yeah um it's a it's it's a it was a tent made out of more more durable tarpy material 
and it was about three foot square by about seven foot tall ish yeah kind of looked like a little like shower kind of thing yeah what and it, it had a little used as a, it had a little a strap in there shower too so. yeah actually it had a little strap in there for you to put the shower put to put a shower head on for one of those uh uh electric uh electric shower heater things that some people yeah. have too yeah so, talk about very glamping nice. by the way this is the epitome of glamping um <laughs> well, well it's the best thing you can get short of actually having a uh a shower in an R, 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 rv rv of some sort right yeah i'd use it <laughs> okay so chris didn't do anything with this printer this week nope kevin did you do anything with your printer this week or have some project you want to talk about? Um, I, I did actually. Yeah. So, um, uh, with my, with that wood PLA, I had, uh, the clogging up the 0.4 millimeter nozzle. Um, Frank was kind enough to drop off some 0.6 millimeter nozzles. And so I, uh, I switched out the nozzle, um, and then went to print that, uh, the shelf thing that I had designed with this yeah. wood PLA, and there was no uh, bed adhesion. So, oh no! Um, then I realized that the bed, as I was trying to print it, was too high somehow. Like that makes nozzle... sense. You do always have to readjust it after swapping the nozzle. Right. Yeah. So That's the nozzle right. was dragging through the bed, and I was like, okay, oh, oh. let's drop. Yeah. So I dropped it down. Um, cause like nothing was coming out. So I, I dropped it down, retrammed and got it going again. And there was still no adhesion. So I was like, what the crap? Well then, uh, I got the, my little paper and was checking the tramming and somehow it was like one or one or two millimeters too low at this point. And I was like, how did that happen? I just barely adjusted this bed height. Yeah. So I got it retrammed again, and and it it I could see that it was starting to deposit the plastic on the bed, but it mm -hmm. was not sticking. It was like so, wow. so frustrating. So then I I cleaned the bed and got it nice and dry. So I cleaned it with the glass cleaner, got it nice and dry, so there shouldn't be any oils on it at this point i was making sure not to just only to touch the edges as i was putting the bed on the hot and uh, on the the build okay. the the build plate on the on the bed <laughs> clamping it down and everything and it still was not sticking so i was like okay this is this is frustrating so i ended up going and getting a, a can of hairspray and i sprayed the bed with the hairspray and it still would not stick oh that's weird oh yeah. And so then, and I, I kept on trying to do the same print and, and Jess said, well, why, why don't you do a test print? So I, I went and I downloaded a Benchy. I've never printed a Benchy before. So oh, okay. slow down. You should have done this long ago. Yeah. <laughs> the Benchy is your most valuable tool. Right. Well, to be fair, I, it took me a while to print a Benchy too. So, I, so I downloaded the Benchy. I went to print the Benchy, still no bed adhesion. Um, and then Jess said, well, maybe have you considered that it's the filament you're using? And I was like, but this one, it's, it's like the newest filament I have. 
Yeah. And she said, just humor me and try some regular PLA without the wood in it. And I was like, okay, fine. So I, I switched it out for some gray PLA and printed a Benchy and it uh-huh. worked perfectly fine. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And that's with the 0.6 nozzle. That is pretty. Yeah, that's with yeah. the 0.6 nozzle. And so the uh, the outcome of it and the determination was that it is a problem with the wood PLA, and I don't know why. Um, but after printing the Benchy, I then printed the centerpiece for the shelf in the same gray PLA, figuring okay. I can just I can just put it all together and spray paint the thing and be done with it. And and then try to figure out why this uh, wood PLA is not working anymore. Yeah, that is a little weird. Too. I'm kind of think I'm kind of wondering if it's like an issue with uh, needing to uh, recondition it or whatever. But I, I wouldn't think so because it isn't that old. But I don't. Yeah, know. I would expect maybe. There to be uh, some research that would point you in a good direction because something like that seems like it would happen often. Yeah, and somebody just... has to have had that experience before. Um, a lot of people are saying that they up this, they have to up the flow speed by about ten percent for what for for the wood PLA. Okay, and hmm. um, and then the the movement speed was they had to slow it down by about. 30 to 40 percent wouldn't that cause over extrusion um slowing down the movement of the printer and speeding up the flow rate of the uh feeder that would mean you're depositing a lot more filament than the the model would i don't even know if the slicer would allow that without making other adjustments you know if you if you adjust the flow rate to be faster yeah i'm assuming that it would automatically adjust your speed rate to compensate so you're not over extruding yeah, well, this advice came straight from a Prussia 3D forum, so I'm guessing that they know what they're talking about. Could be, could be, and I could be hearing it wrong. It's like, like what I'm hearing is, uh, yeah, just turn your wheels faster and drive slower. <laughs> yeah, that's literally <laughs> what it says. It's, it's, it's feed, it, it, feed, sounds like, more, it sounds more like. It sounds more like. It sounds more like drive in fourth gear. At five miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but that could be it, is that you have to extrude more of this stuff more of the stuff because it's the wood filament, you know. Yeah, I mean it could be. So anyway, give that a shot and you know, let us know. Okay. Interesting. Um and then I haven't done anything with my SLA printer. Uh I've still got the I've I've been pretty bad at that. I've still got the failed um christmas tree star alien star thing stick into the build plate and um <laughs> and the the gold resin settling it's quite settled now in the resin vat i've i've been really bad about that oh that raises there... a question that i don't think i've ever thought of before if the resin sits in the vat and cures to some you know it'll cure to some degree um what is the necessary process after that do you have to replace the fep or uh, does it just so, like pull off it like a normal print and then maybe a little cleaning after that or the 
the big reason you don't want to let it sit is that all the the particulates will settle out and okay. and then it's really difficult to resuspend them but if you use your handy little silicone scraper it takes the the all those particulates right off when you're scraping it off into whatever secondary container you're putting it into okay um, okay Kevin's special brownies are full of plastic <laughs> resin yeah <laughs> but uh because they're special brownies nobody cares <laughs> andy you had a question and i overrode you do you remember uh, what it was i do not okay must not have been important otherwise i would have pressured harder <laughs> So. so did you have any other projects that you worked on this week there, Kev? Nope. Nope. Cool. Andy. Did you work on anything uh, this week? I, I did. I've been running my printer mad. It's running right now as we speak, printing off uh, dragons and things like that, that the wife's been selling at her saloon. Um, at her saloon? So that, saloon? Saloon or Salon. 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 <laughs> well, okay. So, you probably if make more money the, at a saloon. If you've seen the salon, you would know why the confusion was there. It's very Western gunslinging kind of environment that they have set up in there. So <laughs> all the hairdressers walk around in corsets and big hair. <laughs> oh man, if 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 that if everybody did that, my wife would absolutely love that. She's got like a wall of corsets in our room. She's into that kind of stuff. So sure. And to be able to cosplay and dress up every day she goes to work, that would be her line of thing. But it's <laughs> you know just what? a building that's set up that way. The people that are in there are dressed fairly normal. So <laughs> honestly, she could start doing it herself and everybody might follow suit just because it's fun. Yeah, I could see that yeah. happening. <laughs> I really could. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, so we've been printing off a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, Jenny, my wife, has already bought a booth for um, another upcoming cosplay event. I don't remember which one it is. One of the more major ones, but I don't think it's the uh, Fan X, the um, Comic-Con that's down here. I think it's one that's slightly smaller than that. But uh, she's got a list of, uh, of a bunch of other things that she wants me to print and make, a, make some... Um, product for her to be able to sell at her booth okay so i've been running the printer kind of mad which has been kind of fun to actually get some like work out of it because it's always just been the tool for when i just need something but to actually sit and and, and run it hard like this is has been kind of kind of fun really you're a I, I, now. <laughs> I i do feel like you're approaching that point where her proceeds should probably buy a new printer and just uh, work on her stuff <laughs> We were talking about that, but we're we're quite not at that level yet. I could still print a lot faster than what she's selling, but not by much. So uh, I'm running a lot of filament through the machine at the moment. But um, and another thing that's kind of cool is I've almost completely stopped cleaning my bed, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is which is kind of neat. I want to I want to show you that a little bit. Self cleaning self cleaning bed because you're printing so dang much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the, um, the hairspray that I use on the bed, it builds up on it and, uh, just looking at it, you know, about every 30 prints or something, I need to clean it off, but it's gotten to the point where if it, when it builds up a lot on it, it sticks to the print. 
So, so much is being printed on it. It's kind of pulling off the used hairspray itself and sure. keeping, keeping everything kind of level. And since I add hairspray to it every time and I scrape the bed every time, it keeps it fairly level. Um, on the bottom of some prints, you can see slight outlines when it's in the right light of the previous print that was there until you go and wash off the bottom of the hairspray with water. As, as soon as water hits it, it just dissolves. So you just kind of rinse off the bottom and the marks go away and it's flat on the top, or flat for the plastic. So it's okay. been working out really well. But uh, My machine is not designed. You know, we were talking about it last week, how I use um, the uh, the wheels, the... Uh, the dollar uh, and rollers? The, yeah, the dollar and rollers on my printer and, and those mm. those wear down a lot. So if we do wind up doing something like getting another printer to just run off stuff for her to sell if it turns into something like that. I think I'm going to go with something that has linear bearings in it and um, probably just another cheap machine, not kind of like one, a bed slinger like mine is, but that uses linear um, bearings instead of uh, the Delrin rollers so that it can last a little bit longer without needing, you know, replacement pieces so often. So, so I am... I was trying to think of a D and D alignment, and it's not coming to my head right now. Anyway, oh. um, I am the wrong kind of friend, I guess, in this case, okay. because there was that part of me that was like, buy a new printer with her proceeds, and then print everything off for her using your old printer, and figure out the new one yourself. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. <laughs> This sucker's like water cooled, and I've got a direct drive setup that's like eight millimeters from the beginning where it starts grabbing the feeder to the end of the nozzle. You know, you can't get like I, it is almost impossible to have wet noodle problems with that machine right now. It's 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 good, and you've seen my print quality, it's dialed in real nice at the moment, and it's working really good. So, I, that is a good printer in my book. And a, a good reason why I haven't gotten a new one because that one has been working out really well. So it's, it's yeah, doing everything but, I need. It to but do. in my in my mind, that's the difference between driving an '85 Mustang, where you know everything and you can fix everything, mm-hmm. and buying a brand new Mustang that you don't have to touch. Yeah, that is true. And that that, that old Mustang, the oh. old one, has been highly modified and. And, you know, it's, it's running hot for you, <laughs> well, too. So. so, well, you know, it's, 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 um, kind of, kind of comparative. Yeah. Cause <laughs> like a new Mustang will still have all of the new bells and whistles and, you know, timing adjustments and what, what, you know, automatic timing adjustments versus the old one. So, you know, like it doesn't have as many bells and whistles for the way it runs, but still mm-hmm. runs great. That's kind of what I was getting at is like a new printer will probably have easy network capability and a lot of stuff that yours doesn't have because it's because it's old like like you know mine is newer and i can plug i've got a port straight to my pc so it comes off as a com port you know i'm pretty sure you don't have a com port capability on yours Oh no! Very much do. <laughs> no, you could plug right into the interpreter on my printer. That's how I do PID tuning and stuff like that, connecting it right to the the computer. And and I think it's very much the opposite. The cheaper you go, you is where you get the interconnectivity with the computer. 
um, because the computer is doing all the heavy lifting and all you got is the G-code interpreter on the other side, you know, with just a COM port, like you say there. But uh, the minute you start getting into better machines, you start getting more options live on the machine itself. It's like the people who are running um, the Wi-Fi duo boards, where you actually set the computer up to connect to your Wi-Fi and you operate the computer through a web interface that you are attached to locally on the comp on the printer itself. You know, stuff like that is where you get some of the neat stuff. But I mean, I got to admit, I don't have like a filament runout sensor. I've got manually manual leveling and stuff like that. But I swear by all those kinds of things, and I don't actually want those those new things. I only time I ever have to level my bed is when I do something with the nozzle. It's really rare for me to touch and to to tram the bed at all. You know. Um, and everything else on it, when it comes to like running out of filament, I mean, my machine's dumb enough. It will just air print the rest of the way <laughs> when it runs out of filament. But there are things that I do, like I weigh every single one of my spools. If I question it, if it's got enough on it at all. So I know if I will run out and I've been known to splice filament together. If I need to, you know, I re-roll my filament from time to time when it gets to the end onto another roll. Um, so I can like spool a couple of filaments together. So I, I've got longer filament, you know, I use a lot of the same kind of colors. I use a lot of black and white for all the stuff for me. So if I'm running low on a black, I will splice it into the new roll of black, you know, with what was left on the old roll of black and then just roll it up in there. And then, you know, I never have to really worry about running out of filament that way. So I, all the little bells and whistles, I don't think i honestly need and you ain't seeing some of the stuff i like the water cooling on here it's not just water cooled it cools under ambient if i need it to uh because it's peltier cooled and you ain't seeing anything like that on new machines until you start getting into like commercial lines of machines you know the heat difference between the cold end and the hot end on that machine is right inside of the um the heat break tube and I, I use like the bimetal heat break tubes as well. So like you go from from cold enough that your problems with moisture are, a, a, you know, an issue to right into the, the nozzle for, you know, right into the melt zone. So heat creep hasn't been a thing for years either for me. So I don't think I'm going to be getting a new machine anytime soon unless something really kind of starts going wrong with that one. I do want to clarify, Andy. I wasn't trying to attack you and all the wonderful work you've done on that beautiful <laughs> printer <laughs> you know what i think i think it sounded like that too but it really it was just turning into bragging about how good that one is not offense that it was not good enough or something <laughs> i apologize if it came off that way but uh but no I, and i don't have the room for another printer anyway so actually that's probably the real reason i'm just coming up with an excuse to not buy it have to buy a new one <laughs> Acknowledging that is the first step, Andy. <laughs> and once you get your space in there worked out so you can move everything out of the washroom, you'll have more space for another printer. Yes, I'm hoping to do some of that this weekend, too. In fact, <laughs> I'm close to being done in here. I wish I could show you the room. I've gotten a lot of stuff moved around down here, and and things are almost ready to open up. I've got some stuff I need to run up to the attic today, and i got, I got one more corner I need to clean out before I can officially move all the couch and stuff over. And then I've already like went down to Lowe's and picked out the bench table to, you know, purchase for this area and, and things. And 
I am running into a problem where I would like to have shelving above the desk, like a good 24, maybe 36 inches above the get desk. I would like shelving all the way across. But the only trouble is, is this wall that I have here that I'm going to be putting it against is the concrete foundation of the house that's been You don't want to put holes painted. in it or anything like that. Um, yeah, it, exactly. So I might get some pegboard or something to line the back of the wall with so I can do stuff like that. But pegboard's not the strongest either at having a weight from a shelf on it. So I don't know what I'm going to do yet. You know, I'll Andy, that out uh, when I get there. You, you know those rails that have the uh, poppable uh, shelf rails on them? I know exactly what you're talking about, like old end caps from stores, right? Yeah, kind of like those, yeah. Uh, I got an extra set of those if you want them. Hey, how how long is it? Um, well, no, it's just two rails. That oh, just the four shells. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, I, I yeah, I took them out of the out of my uh, out of my pool uh, billiard room when uh, because um, when I first moved in because we kept hitting them with the. <laughs> with the with the pull sticks <laughs> you might be you might be onto something that might not be a bad idea because i do have up into the ceiling where i've got wood that i can mount stuff to so i wonder if i could put the poles mounted on the floor and then anchored against the wall at the top and then be able to put shelves wherever i want i, I think you just solved my problem that's a great idea i like that okay. yeah anyway okay. if you if you want the rails and and some of those uh uh it's and like i think it's got like uh maybe uh six six or eight so for like three or four shelves I, i've got those if you want them cool okay yeah i might i might take you up on that i'll take some measurements and see if how well that idea would work but that might be something yeah i'll send you it some pictures okay but yeah yeah so uh running the printer off for the wife on a lot of those those dragon kind of stuff a lot of color pla god i've always had black and white pla and uh, over the last couple of uh, weeks here, we've purchased all this colored stuff, color shifting stuff that's that's occupying my shelf of PLA now. So it's kind of neat to have all the extra neat colors and whatnot. But um, uh, this weekend, I did have one of those, um, again, wonderful moments of having a 3D printer. I was out snow blowing, and I've got an older snowblower. And uh, the uh, choke dial has always been loose. And um, I have not been smart with my loose dial and fixed it properly. I've just hunted down to find where it fell off at and put it back on. And this uh, this last time I went snow blowing, I think the blower picked it up and threw it into the yard somewhere. And I blow a lot of my block. I've got a lot of elderly neighbors. So whenever I'm out snow blowing, I usually blow the whole block. And um, so I don't know where. I don't know where it is. But uh, it was kind of a nice moment. I, it's for the choke, and I do need to use the choke to shut down the blower and to be able to fire it up. Because it does need to be choked to start cold. And my key for it has seized a long time ago, where pulling out the key doesn't actually uh, uh, turn it off. So <laughs> I always just hold the choke a look because you know you you could you could choke it off all the way. It's got three notches for the choke level. But on the very last choke level, you can hold it against the spring a little further, and it's really choking it off and just kills completely, it. So that's just the way it, yeah. it completely so that's just how starves it, it of fuel. <laughs> yeah, so that's just how I've been shutting it down. Where is it, it off for a I'd, second. I'd, yeah. I'd have put a flip switch on that long ago. <laughs> I would just, the right thing to do would just be to fix the darn key thing so it worked. I'm sure it's just 
the metal is, is the part that the because the key's plastic and it pushes against uh, a, a metal tooth that breaks a connection and stops yeah. shorting out the um, uh, thing that generates the spark. And I'm, I think the metal piece is just seized. So when you pull the key out, it actually doesn't make connection anymore. It just is hung yeah, open. Yeah, it doesn't break the connection with the magneto. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, just sitting there, just idling it down to idle and then just pulling the choke all the way over, it instantly kills it. So I never bothered to fix it because it was just that quick of a thing. But, uh, you know, it took a moment to come inside and, and spend, you know, five minutes designing a knob for it and then running it off on the printer for half an hour. I think it was like half an hour because I did some ironing on it and stuff to make it look pretty and uh, then threw it on there. And now I've got my knob back again and it stuck in there really nice and tight. So I don't see it you know, losing it anytime soon. And I printed it off on PETG. So hopefully it will deal with the cold and being baked on by the sun during summertime. So, but it was it's nice to have a printer for little things like that when you lose your knobs. <laughs> You lost your knob a long time ago. <laughs> but that that was that was pretty much all that I did this week. It's it hasn't been really too big of a week for the 3D printer. I've been mostly cleaning up my area here that I'm trying to turn into an office for myself. There's not a lot of time in the day except for the weekends here that I get to be able to really do anything with it. So, it'll be nice. Hopefully by the end of the end of this weekend I'll I'll have at least a desk in here and I'm excited to get the resin printer out. It's still in the shipping box in the laundry room. I haven't even opened it up yet. Everything with it, I believe that I need. I've got the alcohol with it, the you know, little bottle of resin to be able to play with, the station to cure it and stuff. So it should be ready to go, but I haven't opened it yet. Kind of excited about that. Fun, That's fun. Me. I expect a uh, a detailed update next week andy I, I, as soon as i get that printer going i'm sure i'll have a, a sessions between me and kevin of what the heck am i doing wrong kevin fix this <laughs> moment so <laughs> yeah i'll be glad to help how the hell did all the resin cure in the vat i don't even understand this <laughs> <laughs> you need to change it out regularly andy <laughs> i can't just leave no, it in there huh? like, well, i i don't yeah. <laughs> Kevin was just talking about his resin has been in there for what a week? Uh more than that. It's it's been a lot. <laughs> that makes oh, me man. feel good. It sounds like there's room for error, so I like hearing that. <laughs> there there oh. is room for error. And the coloration of the, the lid, I'm it was designed specifically to prevent UV rays from curing the resin anyway. So Right. Yeah. I, I do have something for this next week that uh, we're doing. And I think I may have spoken a little bit about it last week is uh, uh, the wife wants to reupholster the chairs upstairs, our dining room chairs. And uh, which is good. She's good at reupholstering stuff, but the foam in the chairs is toast. So she bought another big pad of two inch foam that she's going to cut out for the chairs. And I thought this would be a, a fun thing to be able to use the laser for. I don't know if it can cut two inches of foam. I, don't know. I, the thickest I've ever cut it was almost a, a full inch, and it worked fine for that. I don't know if I can get two inches out of it, though. Um, that, too, and I would just be sitting the entire machine onto the, on top of the pad of foam and then just dropping the nozzle right down on the surface and cutting it like that. So I, I don't know how well that will work. But um, if it doesn't cut all the way through, at least it will be good for marking the pattern of the seat because the seats aren't – they're kind of like a funky kind of – pattern for the bottom of the chair that needs to be cut out so 
If it doesn't cut all the way through, at least it will be a nice line to be able to finish it with a razor blade so that they're all the same. But that um, was... You couldn't you just uh, mirror the cutting pattern and then flip the foam over? Yeah, but it then you got to alignment. Yeah, alignment issues would be bad. And I think it, at that point, it would just be easier to just go you know, through the partially cut area and just finish it off with a razor blade. But uh, I'm not trying to overcomplicate it. But then I did, so yeah, I guess that's a good question. Why not continue to complicate it? <laughs> My laser is a little short of being able to have the entire seat cushion inside of the the laser's cutting area. Like uh, the the short side, I've got about three quarters of an inch larger of a laser cutter than the pattern I need to cut, but uh, the length of it is is drastically not long enough. So I uh, I went down and I bought some aluminum extrusion to make my laser cutter longer. So I'm going to mutilate my laser cutter. Uh, I think I'm going to be able to, it's kind of cool here, I think I can be able to take the long rails off of the cutter itself. The only thing that they've got on it are um, the belts that drive the um, the carriage back and forth. It's the only thing really special that that these two long side of the the printers actually do uh, i can't really make it wider you guys can see that it's got a, a drive pole in there and stuff like that that would have to get longer as well if i were to lengthen it or make it wider but i think i can lengthen this without any real repercussions and i've got more of the three millimeter belt to be able to do uh you know put a new belt in down the uh the extrusion but this will be that the first just a recalibration if... of the driver, right? I'm starting to wonder if maybe it's possible for you to buy a uh, a longer ball screw rod from a different model. Oh, I'm sure can... I could. And this isn't even a ball screw rod. This is just a straight rod. In fact, oh. I would. Yeah, I think it's just a three millimeter rod, maybe four. I'd have to measure it. But um, yeah, and it just sits in the bearings on both sides and it's held in place by the adapter on the uh, stepper motor so i probably could but i only need a longer one so at this moment i'm just going to make the the whole carriage longer instead of wider and and not do it permanently either i, I want to make the longest rails I, I bought 36 inch long rails and i think the ones that are on this are 21 inches long so i'm making it pretty substantially longer but I'm hoping to be able to just have it so I could just take them off and replace them when I need. It's only four screws to completely remove both of these sides rails. Each rail only has two screws holding everything together. So it should be able to pull apart fine and I'll be able to replace the rails on it for big projects and then be able to just throw the old ones back in so that, as you can see, I could just move it around like, you know, as easy as this is. <laughs> Make sure you but, get that back to Andy. How do you know it's Andy's? <laughs> oh, it's been heavily modified. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested in in seeing about maybe. Um, I, I went to um, Chris gave me a pair of calipers a while ago, a pair of nice calipers that uh, he got from work that were the screen had been broken on it, the front glass had been shattered, and it's the only thing that's wrong with them. And they're nice and smooth, and you know it's it's a good set of calipers. It's got a real nice LCD screen on it too, compared to the Harbor Freight one I use all the time. And I thought, okay, I, I got some uh, when I had my windows redone. There were a couple windows in the house that the kids had blown out, and I had replaced with plexiglass because I'm a homeowner that doesn't know how to do things right. And I wound up keeping the plexiglass because that 
crap's expensive. And I thought, oh, yeah, I could probably get the laser cutter out and cut out the glass for the the calipers because it's kind of got the caliper glass has kind of a funny shape to it. And, um, you know, I, I took a picture of the calipers, brought that into SolidWorks, measured the scaled the picture so it was right, and then just traced around the, the glass image and then saved that as a, a file that I could use to on the laser printer to cut with. And so I brought that down, put the plexiglass down, and started experimenting to try to cut plexiglass. And uh, turns out I learned something. My laser is a visible light laser, and plexiglass is apparently transparent. <laughs> and well, the if, if you leave the, the protector on it, then it's not as transparent. Yeah, that is true. And I've tr I tried experimenting with some stuff, like putting coatings on it and stuff like that to cut. And it does kind of work, but it it shocks the 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 plastic, the, the plexiglass, and cracks it uh, with the heat instead of actually cutting it. And, uh, you know, after a little bit of research, I just, I got the wrong kind of laser to do stuff like that. And so I need to fix that problem now because I finally found something my laser can't do and that I really want to do. I want to be able to cut plexi. And I can cut plexi if it's not clear plexiglass. If it's got a color in it, then it will cut just fine. But if there's no color... So you can cut of... translucent, but you can't cut transparent. Exactly. Ah. So... My next step is a CO2 laser, and those ones are kind of expensive, and I don't want to spend the money on something like that. So I think the the entry level CO2 laser is like around three to four grand. I think there might be like really cheap ones close to like two grand. It's so still I'm a like, lot of money to buy for a hobby. Ooh, just keep an, uh, keep an eye out on eBay for people upgrading. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I'm I was considering maybe building my own. Because, I mean, these, you were, uh, Frank, you just mentioned about changing the firmware on, on my printer to be able to compensate for a larger, but there is no firmware on it. Uh, the interpreter for my printer is the same as the one that's on my printer. It and sounds like Chris's too. It just registers as a COM port. And then you talk to it through just straight G code. And uh, there's a standard for that. I forget what it's called. It's like GWMC or something weird like that. Um, but uh I can get one of those interpreters and stepper motors, and why couldn't I just build my own laser? Um, I was looking at um, CO2 laser tubes, which is the part that creates the laser. And, you know, with laser cutters, like I've described, it's all about the price of the laser itself justifies the price of the printer. And CO2 lasers seems to be a little bit askew there, which is nice. The laser tube itself, for a decent one, you're looking somewhere between three to 600 bucks. And it's a High volt, it's got high voltage requirements, so you would have to get a special power supply for it, um, which would be another couple hundred bucks. But other than those two, twenty, yeah. But other than those two components, it's a normal CNC gantry system that you'd be using, you know, building around it. So and you already got kind one of, an, of those. Yeah, yeah, and and they they do things a little bit differently with the CO2. They bounce the laser from outside the gantry into the, the, the head through mirrors. And so it's a, it's a little bit more precision kind of stuff. So I, I've been thinking that I should sit down and see if I can find some kits that people have made for building a CO2 laser, an external framed CO2 laser, uh, because then I can cut stuff like plexi, like clear transparent plexiglass because it's an infrared, I think it's infrared. 
It's a light, it's not a visible light laser. And so the plexiglass is not transparent to those kind of lasers. So it cuts beautifully on those. And you can cut like glass and stuff with them too. And, and they're strong enough to be able to cut metals and things like that. So that's, that's got my interest up for those. But it's just a thought, just an idea over the past couple of days. We'll have to see what actually happens, which will probably be nothing. It's just a fun thing to think about. Huh. Interesting. Sounds yeah, like fun. That's, that's all I got. How about you, Frank? You do anything? I have. Um, mostly just little toys. Like uh, I found this geometric. There it is. Doesn't can't see it very well, but it's like those. a geometric fidget. It's just like I don't know, fifteen or twenty uh, concentric geometric shapes that are interlocked with each other. It's like a and, frame uh, inside of a frame inside of a frame inside of a frame. Yeah. And they're loose enough that you can move the center wherever you want it within the frame and that sort of thing. So it's mm. just a little fidget found online. Um, also, I found that uh, Ghost Benchy. Chris shared it. I think you shared it a little while ago. Yeah. And it, it came up on Thingiverse while I was uh, exploring. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So I printed it off and it looks great. Um, Yar. I made it a little bigger than your typical Benchy, or my typical Benchy, just because uh, it's a statue instead of a test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the benchmark that it's named for. Um, yeah. And then I designed a quick and dirty little uh, drawer organizer. Um, I don't know I if you guys have project. actually noticed, but I have rearranged my office a little bit. And oh, I, did. I, you're right. I did. Uh, the, the, the tops of your desks are slightly less messy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, while I was rearranging, I decided that I needed one of those little plastic drawer things that you can get at Walmart. Okay. And um, so we got one of those and the drawer is great, but it, I needed compartments. So I just designed the little box and printed it off and it's, now I'm thinking about designing more, which is how projects go, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was a fun thing to do. And I, I did that Thursday. So it's been a lot of longer prints. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I didn't say it last week. There's a lot I didn't say last week. Uh, for one, um, my wife and I have got a f neighborhood friend that we hang out with periodically. He, he and his wife were actually invited to my birthday that you guys came to, and they had other family stuff going on. Um, anyway, he got a new printer for Christmas, okay. and um, he hasn't reached out to me yet, but I, I expect him to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my little brother decided that he wanted to um, – well, no – it's not that he decided, his wife decided that he needed a hobby and got him a 3D printer for Christmas. So, um, nice. That's good when the significant other's on board or even to blame <laughs> for you having one. Right. That makes the purchases yeah. a lot easier. <laughs> it was all her idea as far as I know. It was funny because they have a joint Amazon account. So he got okay. all of the notifications and he's like, no, I don't want to know about this coming. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that means he did know what he was getting for Christmas before it came in. But <laughs> yeah. 
it was a fun thing for him to play with a little bit. And he's actually already shared a little bit on the uh, Facebook page with uh, some of the, the the files that came with the printer and that sort of thing. So, okay. Um, That's a good start. Yeah. So he, that was one thing. The other thing is um, I went looking for less expensive filament because okay. my, uh, my disposable income <laughs> is not what it used to be. Yeah. And I came across Elegoo. I love Elegoo stuff. Is, is doing some yeah. uh, PLA. And so um, their spools are about $5 less expensive than my other spools. Okay. So I bought, I bought one, decided to give it a shot. And that's what I've been printing with for the last week and a half. And it's been great. So, you know, pinch you a couple of like pennies you, here and there. And it's, you feel like you still get the same kind of quality with your Elegoo yeah. than you did the original? I do. That's good. That, that's that's nice. I, I I've seen Elgu starting to. I mean, I use Elgu for a lot of my electronic stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I haven't really delved into any of their 3D printing stuff until I got the SLA printer that we talked about that I haven't touched yet. So I'd be interested to see how well their their filament is. Uh, I had a roll of Elgu, and yeah, it 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 performed markedly better than some of the other stuff I've gotten. So that's well, a good sign. Yeah, and, the, uh... and to be fair there, Chris, you've been working at the other end of the spectrum than I have. I've been paying more for <laughs> better. Yeah, I've been, pay- been paying I've been getting as this... little as possible. So I, I've been paying as little as possible to get my stuff. And it's 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 especially hard when you switch to colors when you need, you know, you need colors, but you got to do it on the cheap because the color yeah. filament is more expensive than the black or white. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't notice it seems like Elegoo is kind of flat across the board, depending on colors. Um, when they do some of the more complex stuff like uh the marble filament and that sort of thing, I think that was a little more expensive, but otherwise it was the same price across the board. So I didn't see any like super complex like the 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 bicolored or the color changing. It doesn't mean they don't do it. Um so here's our shameless shameless plug if anybody from Elegoo is listening. Yeah. yeah. Elegoo, reach out. Andy's using your printer and I'm using your filament right now. Yes. Do the thing. And obsessed about your electronics. Reach out. That would be fun. And this was done. This this gray that I printed the centerpiece for the shelf in is also Elegoo. Hey, there we Thanks. go. All yeah. four of us have used it and we like it. Yeah. <laughs> Elegoo is good. Where are you buying the Elegoo stuff from? Is it from their their website or? Uh, I got it off of Amazon. I had yeah. a vendor on Amazon. Yeah, I think okay. it's the Elegoo vendor on Amazon, honestly, but I actually don't remember for sure. I'll look. It is so hard not to purchase off of Amazon. It's it really is. It's and a, I hate. I hate it's Amazon. it's almost as hard as not 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 buying household necessities at the at the mall of warts yeah yeah no kidding no kidding that's that's where we shop all the time too for our groceries because it's the most convenient but yeah with amazon i would love to get into purchasing more directly through the companies or whatever but it's always more expensive and in this market the pocketbook is what gets to decide where we shop so well and here's the thing about amazon that i think a lot of people forget they do have their own products Yes, but for the most part, they're a storefront. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, when you're buying from the Elegoo vendor on Amazon, you're buying from Elegoo. When you're buying yeah. from the Creelty vendor on Amazon, you're buying from Creelty. And Amazon is just a storefront. Of, but Amazon's got rules of you not being able to sell your product for cheaper elsewhere than Amazon if you're using their storefront and stuff like that, though. So, well, and they're, most they're kind people, of forcing you into that market. Most vendors wouldn't have to anyway you know they they say if i don't even know for certain that they don't but if walmart had a was a vendor on amazon Uh they could sell it for the same price on amazon and have amazon manage the shipping process Mm -hmm. instead of walmart having their own uh shipping process through their website if they wanted to do it that way you know but they um, so but see here's the thing is they would have to pay Amazon a little bit for each sell. I mean just like you do when you sell something on eBay and sure. stuff. Amazon does because the same thing. Because they're a storefront, yeah. But then they've got the rules that you can't sell anything cheaper on anywhere else. So you are having to sell your item cheaper on Amazon than the listed price, but the listed price would be the same as your own storefront. Because so, uh, your own storefront doesn't get Amazon's cut. So in order to sell through Amazon, you actually have to take a cut in how much you are selling your item for compared so to your own storefront. From here, we're getting into the weeds a little bit. But um, when you're selling, like the whole business model for Walmart, let's keep using them as an example. Mm-hmm. They mark it up, say, 200% above their own cost. Mm-hmm. So they can sell it for that same price and give Amazon their cut. And if they move a thousand units of whatever, it's beneficial to them. There's profit in it. And yeah. so they can still the, sell it for the same price on the shelves the, the and real make number more is profit there. Between, yeah, the real number is somewhere between 25 and 45% markup from, but yeah. And when you're as so, big as Walmart, you got to be careful that it, it, it selling like if you if they decided to sell from amazon they would be it's not like a new market to them they'd be taking away from their the market from their own storefront too so in order to pick up a little bit that they might get extra on the amazon they would have to be selling it cheaper on the amazon but then people would move from their storefront to amazon at least at some degree and which they would be receiving less profit from the amazon storefront versus their own Okay, so they shut down brick and mortars, and everything that they move is profit after the the creation. Instead, and so that... they're not paying rent on the property. They're not paying for electricity. They're not paying for the five employees to run the self checkout. You know, so th- there I... there's a calculus here. There's a lot of variables that <laughs> would change. Yeah, that. That, that they have data for and we don't. <laughs> that too, yes. I think if it was working really well, we wouldn't be hearing so many complaints from sellers about having to work with Amazon level two. If it was well, just a math thing we had to figure and out. I don't imagine that they're any better for the single proprietorships. You know, yeah. say if you were to take your dragons and sell them on Amazon. Um, yeah. I don't imagine they're much better for the single proprietorships than... Uh, a brick and mortar in hometown USA would be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the demon, you know, at that point, right? 
yeah, yeah. the reason they're so successful is because they're so convenient for everybody on both ends. So in a general way, yeah. So yeah. I don't think they're necessarily. I mean, they're convenient, but it's the price is why I ship at Amazon. But things like not being able to search using Amazon's search is freaking garbage. Uh, at searching for a product, you know. Yeah. If it's it's kind of like I do often use Google if what I'm looking for doesn't come up on the Amazon. Yeah. Site. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of funny because yeah, I'll use Google to search for products on Amazon. And honestly. <laughs> You guys know how to use the Boolean search for your uh, search engine, right? Doesn't work on Amazon search. No, no it doesn't work on Amazon search, but you can Boolean but search the Amazon website from Google. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I haven't really tried that. Is it? Does it seem to list everything okay when you guys have done that way? I haven't had any serious issues. You just have to start it with the words, or the keyword site with a colon and mm-hmm. identify Amazon. And then the do wife, your regular Boolean search after that, and all your results results are going to be The wife is always amazed how I can find what she's looking for. I might have to try that when it comes to working with Amazon's because Amazon's site search just is garbage. They have sponsors yeah. that they need to put first. Not even that. I mean, it's just no. Actually, yeah. honestly, the the <laughs> the funny thing about Amazon to me is their um uh retail industry that they yeah. do is their least um what's the word i'm looking for their profitable. least profitable venture <laughs> i know isn't it their um web-based backbone that they do yeah the amazon web services aws is, yeah it is where I can't even remember the percentage, but it's a very large percentage of their revenue comes yes. from that. <laughs> All of their clouds have silver linings. <laughs> <laughs> and businesses pay for that silver lining because they're everywhere. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, so you guys know how uh, Andy and I both have home network servers, right? Yes. Well, I was seeing that now uh, they're, they're, uh, Short, soon to be available to us is your own cloud computer at home. So, like, if you're away and you save something quote to the cloud, it's going to the server at your house and being saved on the hard drive there. Um. So, Chris, the uh, all you have to do is get yourself a static IP, and you can have. You don't even need a static IP. You can get a, a dynamic DNS service to do it. That's how I did mine all the time. That's fair. That's yes, fair. but I, I'm I'm just saying that if you buy this little box, I don't have to deal with the issues of possibly being hacked like Andy was. Or I mean, wow. you do, but it's it's its own separate little box, I guess. My so. security been... podcast was just talking about how satellites can be hacked fairly easily because they live out of the black box security uh, <laughs> ideal of we don't talk about our security so that you can't hack us and. Anonymity about satellites being hacked. Anonymity is not a security plan. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, never mind. So, so I would say Linux has a couple of good kernels. If uh, you were to set them up on your machine, that you could access easily enough from outside of your network. Mm-hmm. that would give you access to whatever you wanted to on your personal server. 
that was something that I, I was kind of thinking about that would be good because I was using my main server to do all the web stuff. And if I had a dedicated machine that I could control a little bit better, then, you know, like you say, it could give me some of those accesses. It would be nice for just file transferring. That was the major reason why I ever used it and was transferring it files. It doesn't even have to be powerful or ex expensive either. A, a little Raspberry Pi will, you know, take all that stuff from your server and translate it out. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. But then, too, I, would, I don't think I would want something like that inside of my network because then I'd have to allow that traffic inside the network itself, and that, that kind of leads to problems, too. Subnet. Yeah, use your mask, oh. man. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll just stick to trying it because... The, oh gosh, the the most frequent thing I do is once a year we share a file, you know, and and do all that. That's the most use that I usually ever get out of it. So and that, 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 easy, on, that is easy that enough to put up on today. a uh, put up in like your Google Drive or something and share that link. Yeah, I think that's what I did to... last year too. Is I used the mm -hmm. one from our podcast to to share it with you guys. So that's probably what we'll do again this year. But uh, but yeah, that's that's the only thing I've used it for. So. Probably having another machine in here to get access to the the network is probably not a good idea. I got TeamViewer for stuff like that. TeamViewer still works Dual great. <laughs> That's a good point. I still use TeamViewer to remotely access my uh, office computer and or, like I said, I can remotely run my 3D print printer from it. So Yeah. So you were talking about using your 3D printer on your computer. Do you use your 3D printer at all for it to print its own files, or do you just do the do it off through the interpreter, through the COM port? I do it all through the COM port. Yeah. It's hmm. just hooked up live to my office computer. And Interestingly, I tried that for a little while. I've got the little um, Windows machines. Got them for 50 bucks each secondhand from a corporate office <laughs> um, they make good little media servers and yeah. i used one for um remote access to my printer to run from there okay and <clears throat> ultimately i decided that the sneaker net was just less of a hassle at some point so that, that, that's what i came up with too i i do run my my laser cutter through just the com port, but I, th I think it's because it's it's a short term thing. You know, the longest cuts I've done were like an hour long, and that was unusual. You know, most of the time it's like five or ten minutes to cut something. I right. think I would be afraid to set up a print that's like thirty six hours long and completely rely on you know a com port. But Chris has done it without any problems. So. Yep, I've ha I've had uh, prints that took uh, over a day, and they came out just dandy. I've considered taking and getting one of those uh, USB over Wi-Fi adapters that, you know, mm -hmm. take any USB and put it on Wi-Fi and then back to the machine. And uh, that way I could have it on my laptop and the laptop thinks it's local when really it's over that little kind of a network to at least be able to monitor the printer's printing. But there's not enough information there that I'm really interested in. I, I don't even wait for it to really start anymore. I usually just get it set up tell it to start the print while it's heating up because it's such a low possibility of it not starting up correctly and, and starting the print right, you know? If I come down an hour later and I've been air printing for the last hour, that's a really rare event, so. So here's an interesting one for you, Andy. Um, my 
brother-in-law first introduced me to this idea and I played with it for extending my own network. Okay. Where um, it's a uh, networking adapter that you runs off of your power line. Okay. So you plug your coax into the power adapter in wherever your uh, internet comes in. And -hmm. then you plug the other adapter into whatever room you want the internet in. And as long as they're on the same breaker, the Mm -hmm. network can be shared across to the other adapter. And I think that some of them even work across adapters too, or uh, across breakers. Yeah, yeah. It's a a Wi-Fi mesh device yeah it, it's just one of those fascinating ideas that i thought would be fun to get um the internet down to my workshop oh okay <laughs> yeah that because you do have that that problem that would be a, a way to do it uh yeah Either that seen, or just i've been considering that too AP and at the other end of my condo because <laughs> like I, yeah. I lose internet on the back half of my garage Front half of it, I get it okay, but I lose it on the back half, and I was thinking about doing that myself. Well, if you got it on the front hand, maybe just a traditional mesh network adapter. It doesn't even have to be the the power outlet version. That you know, that's true. Can I connect. might can, I'm, I might can rep- re- repurpose the my old uh, my old router, but it doesn't have the five gigahertz on it, so I'd I'd be stepping down to the two point five if I did that. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But there are then some again, options. Yeah, you could always run a Cat Five out to the shop. Eh, that's what I did. I got a Cat uh, Cat Five from my my main box that runs out there. You know what? I did do that, and um, but I never actually hooked it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a personal problem, there, Chris. Because yeah, maybe that you should just super helpful and effective, dude. Yeah. Just well, plug an AP into it and uh, leave it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I've run the one twelve or the 120 out there, but I haven't switched it to the 220 yet. And I ran the, I ran the cat five along with the 220. So it's, it's that part of the, that part of it. I haven't got to, that's why. <laughs> fine. That's fine. Yeah. And I'm sure take, someday take five minutes and put a, a RJ 45 on it and use the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I am so prolific with the network in my house. Cause you guys see, I was able to do, the, there's cat six freaking everywhere through this house. Mm-hmm. I've even got it running up my my box elder tree on the side yard. <laughs> Had it? Did, did, oh no, the box elder. That that's because yeah, the, you got the, a camera up there, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just got a security okay. camera up there, but it's um, it's uh, pow, it's uh, poe uh, cat five that I ran out there, so it's got the ten one hundred connectivity, which is slower. But it's also got the power over Ethernet, too. So mm-hmm. I got access to like 15 volts, I think it is, or something weird like that. Alternating current. It's, it's a weird voltage for BOE. But uh, but yeah, so it runs off there, too. And that one actually goes from the tree down to the shop, plugs into the router to the shop, which I've got a gigabit router out there, a gigabit switch. And then that runs into the house, into the main gigabit switch that's in my main uh, junction box that goes to the rest of the house. You're a nerd. Yeah, we really set this. Just looking around, there is, because I'm downstairs in the basement, and I don't have a finished ceiling downstairs. And so you can just see the bundles of wires just everywhere. There are so many code violations in this house. It's not even funny. <laughs> kind of like when you look in the plenum without the uh, 
the ceiling tiles in an office building? Yeah, th that's organized. This is just drilled holes through two by fours with wires shoved through it. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> is that the kind of networks you see when you pull the ceiling tiles down? <laughs> okay. It, I guess I don't feel so bad. Frustratingly so. <laughs> Oh, All right. Funny. Well, At least I was smart enough not to run it with any power. So I, I made the point earlier that when we try to reach a deadline, we observe it and then right casually overrun it. And I know oh, that we're wow. approaching your deadline there, Kev. So uh, yeah, we're not quite there yet. But I don't know if you guys noticed, but I put in the chat on this Discord here that I'm dumb and had said. No, I don't have any projects I'm working on while I am actively working on a project in Blender. <laughs> so, because Chris isn't here for his part of the closing, why don't you talk about it? And... Yeah, so um, uh, my son, Kyle, the younger one, had uh, earlier, like last summer, started up a D&D &D game with his friends, and I was the uh, DM. Mm -hmm. And they, they kind of got to, like, they finished their mission, and I had no idea where to take the campaign from there. So I okay. said, well, how about we switch from D&D &D to Zombicide Chronicles? Okay. And they were all okay with that. So uh, yesterday, we did Session Zero with Kyle and one of his friends. The other one wasn't able to make it yesterday. But um, I I said... Well, the plan is that we're going to, or part of the plan is that I'm going, to, I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to make these characters in Titancraft and print them. Okay. Well, Kyle's friend decided that uh, her background was going to be that she was a construction worker and that her iconic item is a claw hammer. <laughs> Titancraft like does not have a claw hammer. What? Yeah. So, um, I have been in Blender this whole time working on making a claw hammer. Oh, cool. And That's the, the kind of rudimentary build that I think you learn a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, it, yeah. yeah, definitely. And uh, so you, I will show my progress. Yeah, I would love to see that. All right. That looks like a claw hammer. Got the uh, the shape there. Yeah. This is Blender, huh? I need to learn how to use this stupid software one of these days. Oh, it is. That's a awesome. That's a skill I just don't have. Look how easy that is. You can just oh, yeah. grab surfaces and drag them. Yeah, that's that's the extrude tool right there. It's super complex. <laughs> Push here, pull there. Right. Yeah. But they uh actually like the statue behind the hammer was probably built in a program, if not like Blender, or if not Blender, very much like it. So uh, Yeah, so that statue there is the character that I'm going to be putting the hammer. You see she's got her closed fist there. The hammer is going to be in that fist. This is okay. the character that Kyle's friend made in Titancraft. Okay. And then I've, I've obviously downloaded it. So I'm just, my plan is I'm going to get the hammer, I'm going to put it in the fist, and print it off. And then I'm also planning on taking the STL of just the hammer and emailing it to, or sending it to Titancraft and saying, here, put this in your site. Please. <laughs> I've already done the work. You can do your thing with it now. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, is Blender standalone software? Yes. And it is open source. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. So not only is it free, um, it's actually, there, there's lots of tutorials you can find uh, to figure out how to use it, too. Yeah. Because uh, a thing about Blender, though, is it is not intuitive. No, it, okay. it's, it's, well, kind of the oh. downside of being open source is it's been hacked together in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. Oh, really? It it does but, it does have lots of bells and whistles too. So yeah, it's super complex, but it also does a lot of really cool stuff. So that would be a nice tool to have. You know, I've always struggled with doing anything organic looking for a model. So yeah, Blender's good at that. One of these days, I'll sit down and work through tutorials myself. It's just <laughs> yeah. I I have no idea how to use Blender, but uh, when I was looking into modeling softwares and things i saw that blender was incredibly good for model making and it yep. comes very highly recommended even you know in the professional space so the wife was just talking about you know because we're doing the the sales for her stuff and finding she's got we found one person who designs models who does like a subscription for a commercial license that we've been mm -hmm. using and that's the stuff we're selling and it's been working out really well but uh, we're looking at some of these things and be like, it'd be nice just to be able to design some of these things on our own. But I don't have the skill to do it. I'm a CAD software guy. And the wife did do stuff like that, but she learned with Maya. And uh, I sat down to try to get Maya for her. And, um, you know, I, I don't pirate software anymore, period. I don't have any pirated software anymore on my machines. I've uh, grown away from that. Maya's expensive, though. It is stupid expensive. Oh my gosh. Like I got lucky with SolidWorks because SolidWorks is one of those programs that's stupid expensive too, but they've got a very, I pay $79 a year for a subscription to their service and get to use everything. So as, as many complaints as I have about them, that's reasonable. Maya doesn't have anything like that. So I'm going to, I'm downloading Blender right now. <laughs> <laughs> You know, ha, you know, uh, have our YouTube tutorials and stuff like that. Kevin can probably point you in the right direction. Yeah, yep. some of those would be really great. And, uh, you know, she knows how to work Maya from back in the day, so it should be a pretty easy transition for her. And she's done clay models and stuff like that. So she's got this, she, her brain works that way, but uh, just doesn't have a tool for it. So seeing that this is like standalone software and stuff and seeing how Kevin was using it, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to dig that up, play with it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds I downloaded like it. I haven't used it. <laughs> I think I played with it for like a week and I was like, mm, this is not quite what I'm trying to, trying to do. Makes sense. Yeah. And, I sat it, down and it will leave your brain squiggled. If you're just trying <laughs> will to it? figure it out on your own. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I learned SolidWorks on my own and because it just never occurred to me to look up a tutorial and, is so hard and i'm never not using a tutorial again i had a conversation with my son about tutorials a couple weeks ago saying just trust me on this just sit down follow the tutorial not just follow it but actually do what they're doing no matter how dumb it is no matter just do one and you're going to be amazed at how easy it becomes after it, that it teaches we were... you where stuff is and how to use it yeah, yeah, he was doing DaVinci. He got his new computer from Santa this year, and he really wants to do video editing. 
and he likes making movies and stuff like that. And I've always done his editing for him. So when he had a computer that could finally do editing, sat him down and, and he did one tutorial and that's all it took. And he just is doing his own stuff now and knows how to use it better than I did because I didn't use a tutorial for DaVinci. I was going off of my knowledge from Premiere and just trying to figure it out. It's not the same. <laughs> I looked up a ton of tutorials when I started using Audacity for this podcast. Yeah. Um, and anytime I come up with a tool, it's like, huh, I wonder what that does. I look it up and find a tutorial on it. So Yeah, yeah. So much worth it compared to trying to just figure it out. Indeed. Which yep. is a weird thing for a Gen X to say is follow the instructions, but God, <laughs> it's so much easier. <laughs> Let's not start down that path either. Right. <laughs> so uh, n- now that Chris is back, we can let Kevin go do... And we can close up. Yep. Sounds good. Or or Chris is being silent. Um, is there an acknowledgement in there? I thought yeah. he was frozen there for a second. He was, yep. just not video frozen. I just wasn't moving. I'm... Good to go. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> We'd like to thank everyone for listening to the very end. Holy crap, the end. And, and and that's after cutting out some inappropriate conversations. Andy. Sorry. I'll if you like what first. you hear. <laughs> I'll keep the rashes to myself next time. <laughs> the, the best security you can have is not talk about it. <laughs> no. Th- that was not the point we came to. It's a good security practice, but <laughs> anonymity is not a security plan, Chris. <laughs> no. If you like what you hear, please give us all the stars and subscribe. We are available through a wide variety of podcast vendors, and so we're easy to share. If you have feedback, you can find us in our Facebook group, Amateur 3D Pod, and you can email us at Franklin, Kevin, Andy, or Chris at amateur3dpod.com. You can email us together at panelists at amateur3dpod.com. That's panelists with the S at the end. <laughs> because I know how to pronunciate. Um, Kevin Buckner wrote the music for this episode. Open AI's Whisper. Yes, every episode. Because he's that the composer. Awesome. He's the composer. But I say this episode. Yes. Because it's, it's anyway, this episode too. Yep. Proceed. Proceed. Derailed. Frank got derailed. Shocker. Open AI's Whisper completed the heavy lifting for the transcripts, which you can find linked in the description. As soon as I get the uh, my website provider figured out, they'll be updated too. I promise. You've never gone over what is actually happening there. You'll have to share that sometime. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Our panelists are me, Franklin Christensen, and my friends, Kevin Buckner, Chris Weber, and Andy Cotta. Until next time, we're going offline. Keep your FEP tight. Always use hairspray. I changed the bearings on my printer. Now it's growling and asking for little fish. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bearings. Growling. Bear. Bear. Oh, oh bear. You see, sometimes I am a little slow on that.
take. <laughs> Sometimes. Bye, Craig. Yes, go away. Where is he? <laughs> there it is. Hey, speaking Why? of bears. <laughs>